With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom. Simply visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. Welcome back to RCR Greenwashed with Jasper Eaton Don. Uh, it's often, uh, well, it's not often the way that we get to have repeat guests, but um, here we are in 2024 and welcome back to our show, Barry Brill. Now, Barry's got a whole lot of credentials in the legal profession, being um, a master of commercial law, a master of law with honours. He's been at the Harvard Business School and he's got a large background in the energy sector including being the um, former Minister of Science, Technology and Minister of Energy and governments of about the mid-80s. So we welcome uh, Barry back because two weeks ago, uh, I came across an article that I'd missed originally, but on the 8th of February, he published an article with uh, Bassett, Brash and Hyde, and it's entitled Barry Brill, an absurd Ardern ambition. Now, that's quite an alliteration, four A's in a row there, two B's and four A's, but the story captured my imagination beyond belief. This show is looking for stories that pretty much are peak absurdity of the week. I think this is peak absurdity of the century, but Barry, welcome to the show, and we'd like you to sort of run through your discovery, and we're aware that you first came upon this in about 2022, and it sort of was brushed under the carpet, but in 2024, that just can't happen any longer, can it? So tell us about what it is. We're talking $30 billion, sort of a pledge on paper, but it's still a future liability on the books. What's it about? Well, thanks, Tom. Um, well, this is the... NDC, which is the Nationally Determined Contribution, uh, which uh, each country makes uh, to the every other country uh, under the Paris Agreement uh, for the reduction of, uh, of greenhouse gas emissions. Now, the... Um, the first NDC is for a period from 2021 to 2030, uh, and the Paris Agreement required countries to give an indication of what that would be uh, back in 2015, uh, and then to firm up and say uh, exactly how much they were prepared to promise uh, at the uh, Glasgow uh Conference of the Parties, the COP, uh, that was held in uh, 2021. Now, um, the so the NDC was is a voluntary amount which each country is expected to do its best. Uh, and so rather than uh, being a top-down thing, uh, the United Nations invites every country to say how much of a contribution they can make in their own country. Uh, and in New Zealand, the uh, uh, the then Climate Minister, James Shaw, uh, requested the New Zealand Climate Commission to make a recommendation on this. 
uh, and to calculate how much New Zealand would need to offer if it was to match the scenarios that were set out in a IPCC report. Um, that is the report of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Uh, in the a special report that they did on the 1.5 degree target in 2019. Now, the Climate Commission duly reported and said that the uh, IPCC scenarios were not intended to be used for this purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, so they gave an amount uh a very expensive amount, but said that New Zealand should really be aiming much lower than that uh, and uh, made a, uh, a recommendation uh, that we stay with the indication that had been given in 2015, which had in the meantime become very expensive indeed. Uh, it was now something of the order of uh, $12 billion to have met that uh, that target because circumstances had changed. So the, the, the Climate Commission uh, recommendation was duly reported to uh, James Shaw, mm -hmm. and he and the Ministry uh, for the Environment uh, made a recommendation that the Climate Commission suggestions should be raised. Now, we, you need to understand that there's two different aspects of this thing. Primarily, over the 25-odd years that these types of commitments have been uh, put forward by governments, they have focused on what they can do in their own backyard, right? So the, the objective really is that New Zealand should tell the United Nations how much we could manage to reduce emissions without causing undue uh, disasters within the economy. Uh, and so the Climate Commission made that determination and said that we could, within New Zealand, we could make a reduction of uh, 47 million tonnes from the uh, peak that we reached in about 2005. Now, that in itself is an ambitious target, and... We'll go about doing that by way of five-year budgets that the, the commission recommends and the government has to approve. And over the next 15 years, the commission believes that we can reduce by 47 million tonnes. And I want to emphasise that that is in itself a very ambitious undertaking. But what was really unusual about what New Zealand did was we said over and above that ambition, over and above the reductions that we can make in New Zealand, we'll pay cash money to buy 
reductions from other countries. Wow. And the amount of that cash money was estimated by the Climate Commission uh, as being $240 a tonne because this is uh, these, these overseas emissions are hard to come by. Uh, and the, the Treasury argued that they were earning $140 a tonne, but the Climate Commission said that we should allow $240 a tonne. Now, all of this was about buying emissions offshore, which is really not what the NDC is about. Yep. Now, the NDC is about what we can do, what we can do in New Zealand. And we already had an ambitious uh, goal to reduce by 47 million tonnes off the 2005 peak. All right, on top of that, the then minister, James Shaw, recommended that we step up to uh, about 20 billion tons dollars to about 20 billion dollars of um, of offshore purchases over the period to 2030 in order to retain our climate change world leadership so those recommendations yeah. This is getting All very, right. very. This is getting very good. It's building to the to the peak, uh, listeners. This is Barry's um, done all the calculations and and modelling. So we're trying to. Um, it's quite complex. So I hope they're sticking with us. But Barry, you're getting uh, to the crescendo. Okay. In November, I'm sorry, I've, I've uh, dragged it out a bit, uh, no. made it a no, bit no. more suspense, Don. The, no, it's a, no, it's important. The, 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 point, the point was that the Climate Commission had made an ambitious suggestion. The Climate Commission was prepared to go along with buying offshore as well, but not very much. Then Minister Shaw and the ministry upped the ante and wanted to buy more offshore. And then they made the recommendations to Cabinet, and the last-minute Treasury came in quite alarmed with a compromise suggesting uh, a smaller amount be purchased offshore. Uh, and to the amazement of all involved, the Cabinet upped the ante even further wow. uh, and adopted a figure that was higher than what the... Uh, what James Shaw had asked for was doubled what the Climate Commission had uh, recommended uh, and amounted to over $30 billion on the basis of the Climate, change, of the climate Commission's valuation. So, so that $30 billion is a, is a mind-boggling sum, mm. uh, and it wasn't – what anybody is asking for, you know, it was higher than any of Anyone. the advisors or anybody else had even suggested. So they go, various numbers go into the cabinet and then this larger number comes out. So I have written about this, raising the question as to how could that happen could there be any explanation 
other than the fact that the members of the cabinet, in particular the Prime Minister, were very anxious to be seen as the world's leading climate change fighter uh, and was prepared to spend $30 billion of New Zealand taxpayers' money uh, in order to uh, to earn that title uh, for well, uh, for herself, or if you take the wider cabinet, then for themselves. Uh, I I don't see how anybody could argue that it was for the taxpayers of New Zealand, mm. because so- um, what the New Zealand taxpayer gets out of it is uh, nothing at all. So, Bar- so, Barry, just to reiterate, this was around, what, November 2021, I think I read, and that was when New Zealand, I recall, was in sort of a lockdown mode uh, under the COVID response, and this was sort of done in Cabinet with what process? What process was there, apart from some advice from senior officials, what public process was there around this? Well, there was there was no public process. Uh, this was not a matter which had been uh, uh, canvassed during the uh, twenty twenty election, so it wasn't uh, a, a mandate from the people. People. Uh, there was no public consultation. Uh, there was no uh, prior public debate or discussion. Yep. As you you note, that it was in November 2021 when the Auckland district was was locked down because of COVID, and because the Auckland MPs couldn't get to to Wellington, the Parliament was not in session, okay. uh, and uh, this. Um, it it might have been discussed in the uh, in the Labour caucus, but uh, there isn't any record of that. Uh, and there was certainly no bipartisan consultation or multi-partisan consultation. Uh, and uh, the then the cabinet chose to uh, override the Advice Climate from Change Treasury. Commission and double the amount of uh, of their recommendation. Uh, and and the point the point of it that that really sticks in my craw is the huge amount of dollars we're talking about. We you know we are told that our infrastructure problems are overwhelming. Our education system needs to be totally rebuilt. Uh, our yeah, and their hospitals and health system requires an awful lot of um, uh, investment. Uh, and uh, what we are now faced with is taking $30 billion and giving it away. And as you've explained, Barry, this is a lot. This has been a long, drawn-out process. You've, you know, you've taken the time to explain this in depth. So this one can't say that this was an oversight. It would have gone through so many iterations and reiterations. The one thing that comes out of this for me, clear as day, is that this was deliberate. Uh, well, the the decision of the cabinet was deliberate. Deliberate. Um, uh, Going against the advice from Treasury. 
Uh, well, it was against the advice of Treasury. It was against yeah. the advice of the Climate Change Commission. Commission. Uh, and it was not uh, in consultation with the the government that would have to deliver on it, which is the subsequent government. Mm. The uh, the government that was elected in 1923, 1926, 1929 would have to deliver on this, but it was the government of 1921 which made the promise. 2021. 2021. Oh, yeah, 2021. Let, let's put a 20 in front of all of those previous numbers, but, hey, we get your <laughs> point, Mary, we get your point. It's it's an absolute scandal. It's, um, you know, my private opinion on this is that I've witnessed our leaders in recent years trying to pee higher than everybody else in this in this space and it's like the former prime minister decided to pee higher than her minister james shaw um what is the so far i gather there's no money changed hands and it's perhaps not likely that it'll be changed hands but the pledge or the donation is still in the crown accounts as a future liability is that right uh, yes, uh, and, and and it's noted in the government books as a future liability, but the 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 formal budget that the government has to bring down each year mm-hmm. stretches ahead for four years, uh, so that it can't it we're going to have to be brought into that budget uh, not later than twenty twenty six. And it shouldn't escape the attention of Nicola Willis, who, whose budget it will be, who is also the Associate Minister of Climate Change, that her 2026 budget in election year is going to have to make provision for this $30 billion over a four-year period at that time. Now, it seems to me that the last thing this government wants to do is to wait until election year uh, to to start trying to sell this idea to the public. Mm. You know, again, I stress this is not a uh, uh, a requirement. This is a donation. This is a voluntary donation. And I just don't see how the national government the national-led government can win an election on the basis that it thinks that the $30 billion should be given away rather than spent on New Zealand's requirements. I know, completely. Yes, so I agree with that too. But just for the layman and me, and I don't understand the political process, we set down budgets that come out generally in May each year, national, you know, government budgets, countries' budget. Why wouldn't we be talking to try or trying to get this out of the regime this May? Why wouldn't we try to get that future liability just written out? Well, that's what should be done. The the uh, uh, the new government should uh, should undertake first an inquiry into how this came to be. Uh, have some public debate, public consultation on it, uh, and I believe the obvious outcome will be that the new government will need to advise the United Nations that it can't afford that crazy uh, one-off promise made by their predecessor in 2021 
uh, and that we won't be they we shouldn't be counted on for uh, for that huge investment. So, where tell me, in any of the other supposedly high emitting countries or other countries that we are sort of trade with, perhaps more to the point. How many of them are meeting their commitments that they have made, or have they not made such uh, grandiose commitments? Well, could could I make two points, Dom? The first is that the ministry advised the cabinet that the um, what they call responsibility uh, commitment which is saying we'll take responsibility for this even though we won't do it ourselves, like we will buy offshore credits, Hmm. uh, that those are not intended to be part of the Paris Agreement approach. They were part of the Kyoto approach. They're not intended to be part of the Paris Agreement approach. Uh, and they should only be used at the margin, you know, sort of for for rounding uh, areas or, or uh, you know, for, for special circumstances. So the first answer to your question is that no other country out of the hundred and ninety odd who are uh, members of the of the Paris Agreement have made uh, large promises for offshore credits, only New Zealand. New Zealand is the sole country okay, who's made a, a commitment to offshore credits, which is about two or three times higher, three times higher than the commitment we've made to on what we'll do onshore in our own domestic savings. Uh, you know, we, we are saying we'll do our domestic savings, we'll do three times as much offshore. Nobody else has done anything like that. Nobody's done anything more other than a very, very minor offshore component. So we stand alone. We're a complete outlier in that regard. Um, The second part of your question is, is anybody else on track to meet the commitments they have made? Uh, And uh, according to the... Uh, United Nations Environmental Programme report, the the GAP report, as it's called, that was given to the Dubai COP in December, uh, there are none. Uh, No country is on track. uh, No developed country uh, is on track to, uh, so far, to meet its uh, NDC, its... uh, uh, its voluntary uh, promise. Well, and yet here we are committing to do this. Just this last week, I was uh, reading the news, and there was talk about, and this came from our came out from the ACT Party as well as you know when they scrapped three waters, saying that now councils need to form you know water companies, council-controlled organizations, and that there might be a need for public-private partnership to fund the infrastructure gap. And yet here we are squandering billions of taxpayer money. Can I, do I dare call it money laundering? I'll call it. Brainwashing. Brainwashing. It is, and I mean, we are going to borrow that money. We are going to privatize water and, you know, healthcare even. The very basic things that a first world country should have and that's where our tax should be going first and foremost. For that, we are going to be looking for public-private partnerships and yet here we are. I can't think of greater truth. Well, it's, 
It's a very good point, just briefly. The $30 billion that we're going to donate to uh, these offshore um, schemes, uh, we'll be borrowing that money offshore in order to make the donation uh, because we need to borrow all that and, and, and probably more uh, to meet our water yeah. and other infrastructure but- deficits. I mean, the gold-plated water standards that we are wanting now, gold-plated, literally, pushing us more into debt. Yep, uh, absolutely, um, Jasper. You see it for what it is. And by the way, listeners, we're speaking to Barry Brill, who is chairman of the New Zealand Climate Science Coalition and a former minister of the Crown. He has really just gone through what appears to the layman a really convoluted system that would have most of us glazed over. And so I take my hat off to Barry to for his tenacity to, to follow this stuff, uh, like some of the senior government officials like, like Adrian Macy and Dave Frame. But doesn't it really expose the sort of unreality of what is touted daily as an existential threat? It's just there's so much folly in all of this stuff that the layman in the street can't follow it We've trusted these officials for years. Um, we trusted a prime minister. We've trusted successive prime ministers, actually. <laughs> and um, and it all appears now to be rather hollow. So I look at it this way, Barry. We've got net zero concepts in New Zealand. But, you know, and I often think, what's the other NZ? And I think it's like... Um, uh, New Zillionaires, but I'm not quite sure where the New Zillionaires live. So we've got <laughs> NZ to the power of three. But see, that's I often get this question asked of me, Barry. Where does the money go? How does all this a CO2 trading go? Where, you know, where does the money go for CO2 credits and, and um, units? And I've never been able to answer. Can you? Well, the money goes to the... Uh, company uh, that has undertaken mm. to plant uh, yes. 100,000 trees in uh, China or uh, or in Europe or, or wherever. Mm. Uh, the uh, I think the, the point's worth making that even though this $30 billion is a huge sum for New Zealand, that the amount that the world will need to spend a for, according to McKinsey, to achieve net zero is something like $50 trillion uh, by 2050. So this $30, million that, $30 billion that uh, the Labour government proposed to donate to uh, various schemes around the world for uh, uh, for reducing emissions, that amount of emissions is a drop in the bucket. Uh, we, we, you know, our our total our total emissions are zero point one six percent of yep. the world's total emissions. So this thirty billion won't change the world's climate by even a thousandth of a degree. It won't make any difference to the world's climate. So we, we don't do anything for the climate. 
the money goes to various faceless people all around the world who are going to supposedly do emission-reducing projects, uh, and the only real visible, tangible impact is that New Zealand families are going to be facing that much more hardship, that much more child poverty, uh, and all of our infrastructure and housing problems and so forth uh, are put to one side in favour of making this $30 billion donation. And you've quantified that, Barry, that each family, looking at 1.42 million families in New Zealand, that's roughly each one of them, it's going to cost them just over $24,000 each. Yeah, $24,000 um, for, for your average for family. For what? They can't find $24,000. They can't yes. find it. They can't find uh, it, but the government finds it really easy. It's so easy to spend someone else's money, isn't it? Make commitments, virtue signal, like, maybe land it. We'll find a way job. to get that $24,000 out of them. Yeah, it has yeah. to well, yeah. it's the it's the ultimate uh, virtue signal, but I think it's it's the ultimate peak absurdity too. And uh, you know, when you look at the uh, fiscal management of the country in the last uh, four years, uh, you do have to wonder if fish and chip wrapping in Morrinsville really did uh, sort of create a lot of credentials that that are suitable for a prime minister. I mean, it just beggars belief the damage that's happened in this country. And this is just one more absurd bit of nonsense in my my point of view. And I know our listeners know that I'm terribly biased. I haven't have a clear um, <laughs> thought process on this stuff. Um, and I, I'm just appalled, Barry, that that it takes your tenacity to get this in front of us and the news, and I have just done the research again. The New Zealand mainstream media has not picked this up. Have you noted anyone well, I, pick it up? No, no, no. Uh, I uh, since I wrote the article, uh, and it's available on the internet, and I and it's had thousands of views. Uh, it has gone right over the heads of every journalist in New Zealand. Uh, and I, I should uh, come back to a point that I think you made, Don, that uh, most of this material uh, was published in the Business Desk, which is a subsidiary of the New Zealand Herald, in uh, 2022, uh, in a series of five major articles in five successive uh, issues of the Business Desk, written by uh, Adrian Macy, Mm. Uh, who is the most credible uh, climate change diplomat in New Zealand. He was our first climate change ambassador. He's now an adjunct professor at Victoria University, lecturing in and teaching uh, climate science uh, international negotiation. Uh, and he was joined in this series by uh, Professor David Frame. Uh, who is probably New Zealand's uh, premier climate scientist. And these two authors wrote about this very same uh, process that, that I have uh, now written about in 2022, uh, but it's behind a paywall and most uh, 
New Zealanders, you know, a relatively small number of New Zealanders will have read that. However, it was sensational at the time, but it wasn't picked up by the Herald, the owner of Business Desk. It wasn't picked up by, by the television companies. wasn't picked up by any of the mainstream media. Now, they might have said, oh, we think Adrian Macy's got it wrong. Well, they should report that Adrian Macy got it wrong. Instead, there's silence. Silence. And that, silence. that's telling. That's telling. I The article on, uh, you know, Brashet uh, and com. this has had over 13,000 views. It, the, what's most interesting on this one is uh, the comments. There's over 200 comments on their article, and there's quite a debate going on there. But someone else also hasn't picked this up yet, gentlemen. That's the National Party. That's a coalition now. Well, we're hoping they will. Yeah, that's another one well, where I hear silence right now. Well, in in my view, this uh, contribution, this donation, mm. uh, cannot stand. Yeah, I, I just don't believe it's possible for the government to take the people with it uh, on a thirty billion dollar donation that we don't need to make. Uh, you can't have Nicholas Nicola Willis saying we are asking every government department to cut their expenditures by seven percent. Uh, we are going to reduce the the numbers in the public service. We're going to have to have an austerity program. Uh, we don't see any increase in revenue in looking forward. Uh, but we must maintain this $30 billion we're going to give away to various sharp operators in, um, all around the world who are offering to sell uh, climate credits. Now, I just don't believe that's politically possible. And therefore, the only alternative is that the, the government is going to need to reverse that uh, MDC and it's going to need to advise other countries of its intention to do so. Now, I think it's very much in the interest of the new government to do that early. Yeah. Because now it's obvious that this is something which the new government had nothing to do with. It was driven by the ambitions of, uh, of a government which has now been voted out of office. Uh, but if they don't do it early, if they don't do it, this year and quite quickly, it will become, they will have to wear it. It will become their promise, which they've adopted. Uh, and uh, and then and they'll wear the blame for it. So I really think politically it's in their interest to step up to, step up yep. to the plate and bite the bullet, if I might mix some metaphors. So, yeah, so what what is the fallout for that uh, in terms of our trade, potentially? Because I know that's what they're going to do. They're going to say, oh, this will put serious tension on our trade um, with with the countries uh, in, dis you know, in the same sort of ballpark as us. Um, I uh, well, I think, I think that's gobbledygook, Don. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who who will now stop eating butter? Uh, is it... The, the the we our our products have a lower carbon footprint than any other product in the international market. So, why would people decide to move from 
New Zealand sourcing to some other source which has a higher carbon footprint. Oh, oh, because they may wish to say, just play games with the tension that this could create. I mean, we've heard from successive ministers of climate change and ministers of trade that if we don't tick this climate box and have a high ambition, we will have trade uh, barriers put upon us. And, you know, I think that's the game that will play next, Barry. I know you're far more seasoned than I am in this this space, but um, I just, I agree. The other countries may not have any better credentials than us, but it's the gaming that will happen, especially when you look at what's going on in Europe right now with regard to uh, the farmer protests who are really looking to protect themselves in their own, within their own borders. You can't sort of blame them. They want to have effectively sovereignty of their of their products to be sold locally. And we've got to try and enter those markets. Uh, you know, and I think they could make it more difficult. And I, you know, I'm, I know I'm positing a whole, whole lot of um, ex- perhaps extreme ideas, but I think the WTO is under serious um, threat right now with regard to the way the farmer protests of the European countries, let alone the Indian countries, uh, let alone India, are, are playing their cards. They want more protection, protectionism back. At the same time, we want free enterprise to flourish in the world and free trade. Right. But that- look, the answer, the answer, Don, to that argument is that we won't, I am not suggesting that we change uh, one iota the very ambitious program we have for reduction of emissions in New Zealand. Mm. I'm talking about the donation to people outside New Zealand uh, that we, and that that really, we're the only people who are doing this old-fashioned idea of trying to buy credits on the international market. You know, other countries are not doing that. All we would be doing would be ceasing our role as an outlier and coming back into line with Australia and Canada and the UK and every other developed country uh, by saying we'll focus on trying to achieve our ambitious domestic program, we won't be spending New Zealand money on buying offshore credits. Well, two things. Um, um, I think the difference is we're already subsidy-free in this country. Uh, A lot of the countries we trade with are uh, are subsidised. Uh, it doesn't matter whether they're production subsidised, production subsidies or environmental subsidies. So that's we're already at a very high standard. We've already got the gold standard internationally. So we don't actually have to do much. The second point we need to do, and I know the Climate Coalition is helping in this vein, is to make sure we get the methane metric right. Um, if there is a metric at all, it's above zero. Um, but, uh, you know, so all those things have to be fixed before I think we can get some peace on this and get New Zealand back on track uh, to be a, a very efficient exporting nation. Um, well, I, you know, if we were to use the metric, we, we know that the IPCC has said that we are over counting our emissions, uh, our methane emissions, by four to five times. Mm. So as the those em- methane emissions are about half of our total, it means that our total is about twice as high uh, as it should be. Mm. So if we were to put that right, then that would more than offset the $30 billion, right? Mm. The, the, 
the the offer of uh, <laughs> of reducing uh, the the world's emissions by 143,000 metric ton, million tons, 143 million tons, which is what uh, the $30 billion equates to. So instead of doing the 143 million tons, we'll just simply get our counting right and knock off 300 million tons. I think, what you're, both, what, you're, I think what you're both <laughs> saying, gentlemen, is that all we need is some honesty, some truth, pretty much. Isn't it? Yeah. That's all we are asking for right we now. We need a reality check. That's what we need, a reality check. And so... Well, if, if we were to use the IPCC figure, uh, which we do for everything else, for methane, then uh, the outcome would be a very ambitious outcome indeed. And hmm. we are the one country that is hell-bent on using the most extreme modeling, most extreme model that IPCC has provided, RCP 8.5, which for listeners pretty much means that we'll not be doing anything. 10 billion people on this planet and business as usual, which we know is not happening. A lot of things have changed. And that is why much of what the hysteria that's being whipped up in New Zealand, both in, you know, NGOs and the local and central government is all due to a lie being perpetuated time and time again. Yep. So, look, I think that's a good spot to end. Um, we've had a great chat with you, Barry, uh, Barry Brill. Uh, great to have you on our show again. It's a complex subject that you have talked about on our show. And, you know, the way uh, uh, Jaspreet's just sort of analysed it, I'm on the same place. Uh I don't think it needs to be so complex. It's quite simple. Uh, we just need some honesty and some integrity. And I think we'd go back to business as usual and let's get on with life. Uh, but for 25 years, we've had this coming at us and internationally we're seeing the pointy end with some protests in uh, not only Europe, into America, Canada, India, and even Australia. I think real people have had a gutsful and let's hope so we can get some some sanity. Um, sanity back. So, yeah, Barry, thanks for your time, and we look forward to speaking to you again when we fix all this. We'll have a celebration. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Don, and Jeffrey, thank you. Cheers to that. Thank you so much, Barry. With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate.